Welcome to On Trial, starring Mark Radlich. Also starring Sean Comer. Hope you're ready, Hollywood, because you're on trial. All rise. Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Dredd presiding. Uh, I am your prosecuting attorney tonight, your mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Radledge. And on the docket is the uh, 2010 Robert Rodriguez feature from the Predator franchise. Predators. That's plural, y'all. Predators. As I said, I will be prosecuting this little ditty and joining us to defend it as the one and only Sean Coma. You are not. Hello, Sean. How are you? <laughs> Johnny Cochran for the defense. Hello, everyone. I'm Sean. You're not. And if it's a movie, we can review it. <laughs> so why don't you uh, let's just jump right into it. Uh, this this is the final part of Predator Week here on the Rattle Legend Broadcasting Network. We did Archie versus Predator on source material. Robert and I uh, ripped apart the new <laughs> the Predator movie on Tuesday, and uh, this puts the cherry on the. Uh, this is the, this is it. This is the last thing uh, outside of maybe you know novels and other comics uh, before we are completely done with this franchise because we also did a long road to ruin on the first two Predator movies. So, uh, what you got for notes, sir? Um, not a whole lot. I mean, this came out after a long period with, well, we want to say no installments in the Predator franchise, but that's only if we very selectively decide not to count uh, Alien versus Predator. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, This came out... Let's see if I'm correct, and feel free to correct to correct me if I'm not. I believe this came out after both of the Alien versus Predator films, so at a time when the franchise name had been good and thoroughly sullied, and it needed a new direction. And lo and behold, um, <laughs> someone at 20th Century Fox happened to find the script that Robert Rodriguez had developed way back in 1994 and decided, huh, hmm, well, it like we have better ideas for this, for this property. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so production began in 2009, was shot uh, per typical um, super efficient Robert Rodriguez fashion in only 53 days with filming taking place in both Hawaii and Austin, Texas released on July 9th, 2010 here in the United States Metacrit, the mainstream critics selected by Metacritic have not been kind to it. They've scored, they scored it a paltry 51%. It grossed $24 million on its opening weekend. Since then, it has raked in another $52 million in the, Uni- in the United States, uh, bringing its total to about $127 million worldwide, which that's, that's not bad when you consider this was made for only $40 million. Uh, one of the uh, surprisingly one of the most impressive features about it is its cast. It stars a decidedly dear God, what were they feeding you? Buffed up Adrian Brody, uh, Topher fucking Grace, <laughs> um, Alice Braga, the great Walter Goggins, and the always entertaining whether he's playing Cowboy Curtis or Neo Lawrence Fishburne. Um, as you mentioned, it was, well, correction, it was produced and it was produced by Robert Rodriguez, uh, written by Alex Litvak and Michael Finch and directed by Nimrod Antal. Uh, if there's, it's, there's a, there's a tilde on the O in his 
uh, last name, so I'm not trying to be snarky. My Spanish is a bit rusty, so if I pronounce that badly, I apologize profusely. Um, up until up until recently, this was kind of the last we had the last we had heard from the big ugly motherfucker. And in my opinion, uh, just as someone who has not yet seen the new movie, I think this now ranks up there as probably the second best entry in the series. So when you said I had to defend this, it was like, okay, oh no, don't throw me in that briar patch. (laughs) (laughs) I don't love it nearly, nearly as much as I love the first one. I think it would be possible to find... Uh, more than about maybe 10 or 12 action movies I've ever seen that I love more than the original Predator. But I came into this many moons ago thoroughly skeptical when I first saw it. And, you know, aside from the fact that I just never have and never will like Topher Grace, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. So. All right. Here's your 10 cent uh, plot synopsis, and then I'll jump right into my prosecution of this. Uh, a bunch of the most dangerous uh, folks in the world, soldiers and uh, soldiers, prisoners, criminals alike, are all parachuted into an unfamiliar jungle. Slowly but surely, uh, they come to realize they are on an alien planet. More specifically, they are on a planet that's being used as a game preserve, and they come to find out, to their horror, that they are the game. (laughs) Dun-dun! With that said, uh, they come to find out that there there is a a smaller predator that's tied to a post uh, by three bigger predators, whom are there to hunt said game uh they run afoul of the predator dogs which are a cross between pit bulls and deer with large antlers um and horns and whatnot uh they run afoul of the only survivor human survivor presumably on the planet from a previous game hunt Lawrence Fishburne who decides I'm not really your friend and sets them up to be killed by the predators so that he can take their stuff uh slowly but surely like in any good horror movie everyone is killed every last one of them it comes down to Adrian Brody Topher Grace and Alice Braga uh your three biggest stars in this thing for some reason uh, it turns out that Topher Grace's doctor character is actually a murderer, and of course a psychopath, and he turns on Alice Braga's character, who is supposed to be the moral conscience of the film, uh, leaving our hero, our titular hero, Adrian Brody, left to fight the Predator, uh, do away with Topher Grace and save Alice Braga only to realize when he does all of these things they can't get off the fucking planet and that's your movie you wanna did I miss anything important here uh, about the only objections I would raise is there are a couple other uh, notable casting choices eh. I, I, I mean there's a uh, you've got You've got uh, MMA veteran Oleg Taktarov mm-hmm. as Spe- as Spetsnaz Alpha Group Commando Nikolai. Um, I cannot. Bo- oh, we have a. And if I'm if I'm getting names right, and forgive me, you have a better name for actors than I do sometimes. Uh, future fucking Oscar winner uh, Mahershala Ali. Yes. As uh, Sierra Leone uh, Death Squad soldier Mombasa. Right. So that's a nice little latter-day addition to the pedigree. Uh, After mentioning Walton Goggins as a criminal. I mentioned Walter Goggins, yes. Uh, We have the inimitable Danny Trejo as Los Zetas uh, cartel enforcer Cuchillo. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, 
yes. It's the... a, really, really, Mark? Really? <laughs> it's, it's, we're watching a Robert Rodriguez movie who you know is one of my all-time, like, top five favorite directors, and you don't think I'm going to notice that you leave out his... Leave out the Danny Trejo role? Well, you, sir, have now set me up for what essentially is my central argument for prosecution. So I I, uh, thank you for that. (laughs) Okay. So here's the major problem with this movie. Let's go back to the original. The original, as we said on Damn You Hollywood, and we'll be probably saying to the end of time, is a really creative take on the slasher motif. What do you need to have a slasher movie? You need to have a monster who is chasing victims uh, and trying to cut them to pieces for whatever the reasons are, okay? Whether it's Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger or Jason Voorhees, uh, whatever your monster is, he's chasing victims. So the second thing you need to have are victims, but you can't just create, you know, the difference between a good slasher movie and a bad slasher movie is your victims have to be people that you want to see live to the end of the movie. These are people you have to identify with. These are people that you have to, at the very least, like. Have some likable qualities. If they're all Reggie the Reckless, essentially, you're just watching slasher porn. Which is, which is okay, because film is a visual medium, and if you've got a slasher film with a bunch of, which is essentially a buffet of human meat... For the slasher to cut his way through, that's fine if the kills are done in a creative and visually pleasing manner. Visually pleasing, you know, take that any way you want, especially if you're a particularly big gore hound. So, you know, heads popping off in different directions and that sort of thing. So the Predator took that and kind of turned it on its head and said, what if the monster is an alien with superior technology and he's on a game hunt. Okay, cool. What if the haunted house or the camp or, or the campground or th- the nightmare is an actual jungle that uh, a bunch of special forces soldiers are uh, doing a job in and they are essentially blindsided after completing their job by this monster and are having to figure things out on the fly uh, before they're taken out of the movie. All right, that's, that's an interesting idea. Now, what makes the Predator, what really sells the Predator is obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, in any role that he plays, has charisma for days. It's, it's what he's made his career on. Then you have the Gatling-carrying... Tobacco chewing, slack jaw faggot calling, Jesse Ventura. Okay, if you if you need any argument that the Jesse Ventura's character uh, had charisma for days and was entertaining as all get out, might have been one of the more entertaining characters in the movie just by his mere presence. People have been quoting "I ain't got time to bleed" for decades now. Okay, the slack jaw faggot line. Also quoted, though much less in our hashtag MeToo uh, culture. Um, then you have Carl Weathers. You have the rest of the cast. Everybody, you know, are these big, buff, entertaining guys. There are scenes in the movie like the handshake, which I have said, if after that handshake every woman in the room wasn't impregnated, I don't know what's going on. The movie is just <laughs> made of testosterone. It's Awesome. And then you have this really fun, inventive creature, uh, you know, chopping his way through them all. And then it comes down to him and Schwarzenegger, who have an entertaining final fight. And Schwarzenegger says funny things like, you are one ugly motherfucker, etc., etc. That is why Predator still stands up today as a, as a great slasher slash science fiction slash action movie. Okay, it fills out all of these different bubbles, right? It's all of these different combinations in a Venn diagram. It's got a great cast. It's got great characters. And it's a fairly simple plot, a fairly simple stru- uh, structure. So here's the problem. Much like Star Wars, it's hard to do anything with it after that. Predators tries r- really, really hard to, do, to take the Predator concept 
and turn it itself on its head by saying, what if we get off of Earth and we drop a bunch of different uh, victims in an unfamiliar territory and say, okay, you now have to figure out what's happened to you. Oh, and by the way, monsters are trying to kill you. All right. That's, I mean, if you're pitching me, that's not a bad pitch. Here's the problem. We already know what the Predators are, and unless you do something really wicked cool <laughs> with the Predators, it's the same old thing. Making them a little bit more bigger, giving them a little bit more juice, uh, and inventing a civil war that isn't played up on, more on that later, uh, isn't enough to make the Predators interesting. They're still the same monsters. It's still Jason Voorhees, it's still Freddy Krueger, without the quips. All right, so... Strike one, the monster is the exact same as it was in the first movie. So that, so that leaves one thing that you can do to really make this movie stand out. And that is, give us good, solid, charismatic, creative characters to root for. This is the fundamental problem with this entire movie. Uh... Arnold Schwarzenegger's group was there on a rescue mission. They were they were there to do something that that in and of itself you could root for. By taking a bun- by taking uh, some soldiers and some criminals and dropping them here, you're already starting behind the eight ball. You have no reason to root for any of these people. Being a soldier by itself with no context is not a thing to root for. It's it, it just isn't. It's a job. It's like rooting for a mechanic. Like, well, well, okay, what is the mechanic doing? Why is he doing it? They're, they're, soldiers do a job, and I'm not saying being a soldier is inherently bad. I'm not saying it's inherently good. You know, and, and I get all the credit in the world to the American Armed Forces, but in and of itself, devoid of context, it is just a thing. It is not good or bad. So you're already starting off with, huh, why am I rooting for these people? Then half the cast is made up of Yakuza, Mexican drug cartel, death row inmate, and eventually a, a uh, serial killer in Topher Grace. And again I ask, why are you rooting for these people? And before, so before you can even say, okay, well, why am I rooting for them? They don't give most of these characters a personality that's even interesting. So you have so job wise, right? <laughs> Character class wise, it's like it's like you know, like they're playing D and D, and it's just like we're well, root for me. I I know, I'm an elf wizard. Okay, but what have you done? You haven't done anything yet. There's no root for me anyway because I'm an elf wizard, and I'm you know, and I'm a I'm a I'm I'm a tiefling rogue who once taught orcs jujitsu and better to winter faith. That at least would be something to root for. Uh, <laughs> but that's my point like you can't substitute a title for character and that's in a lot of ways what these guys are are you Danny Trejo is dead before you even get to know him the Yakuza guy doesn't do anything and his whole character is he has a sword fight that he (laughs) that he kind of wins then loses um, a quick, a quick, quick sidebar for a for a point of order. There's, there's a term for this, and you're gonna have to help me out because I know that you're you're a big you're a bigger red letter media fan than I am. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a fan, but you, but you have a very ardent appreciation for them. Um, okay, in the in the epic reviews of the prequel trilogy. Um, there was a test that was referred to. Yes, uh, and, it, and it was specifically used to crit- used to really rip into Princess Amidala. Um, right. Uh, the, the Plinket test. Um, and feel free to tell me to tell me I misquote this if I get it wrong. It's something like, can you define this person as a character without referring to their gender or occupation? Right. Did I get it right? That's perfect. Okay, I thought. Th- good. Glad to know. So I, I appreciate the defense making the point for me uh, in, in a uh, in a uh, much swifter fashion. Essentially, these are a collection of titles. These are not characters. The only one that even approximate kind of a character. I mean, Topher Grace as the coward. 
<laughs> and then suddenly, for no apparent reason, a serial killer. He gets a close second. I'll give him a silver, you know, a silver on that. But Adrian Brody is the only one that kind of approximates a character. And, but his character is soldier who wants to get off the planet. That's it. They tried to make him mysterious by not tell you know by having Alice Braga's character constantly nag at him as to you know him being a mercenary or whatever. But again, none of that's interesting. None of that's a reason to root for these people. And so the whole movie essentially is you waiting for the predator to just chop their way through him. The only one that's even remotely fun to watch and interesting is Walton Goggins. That's because it's Walter fucking Goggins. Walton Goggins could be doing paper mache and make it interesting. Especially mm-hmm. if he talks through it. Okay? If he, Walton Goggins, I want to hear Walton Goggins reading Dr. Zeus books. He's hilarious. He's so good. The I, Rus- I, now, I now kind of want to see a short uh, Adult Swim segment called the Walter Goggins Paper Mache Hour. <laughs> so, again, he, get, he can kind of get away with just, you know, just the cult of personality because he himself as an actor has such great charisma. But, there's not, but again, I, why would you root for a San Quentin State Prison murderer who's about to, who's about to be killed on death row? And is strongly, and this is from the wiki, and is strongly implied to be a rapist. Good. Glenn Quagmire. Fantastic. Giggity. Giggity. Um, so, that's my major argument about this movie. Why it doesn't stand up and why, critic, and why um, in critical elements it's kind of a failure. I'm not saying there isn't anything to appreciate. Look, I like the movie, truth be told. But again, I like it because it's it's a meat buffet for a monster, and it's 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 just two hours of waiting for people to get killed. And everybody likes porn, right? We all like porn. We all like different kinds of porn. Some people like good old fashioned naked porn. Some people like good old fashioned kill everybody on screen porn. Some people like everything's exploding on the screen porn, but it's all porn. Okay, it's all gonzo, plotless, just waiting for things to happen, porn. Um, I think that's it. I'm going to end my argument there. You're a witness, sir. So, the first strike mentioned that the monster in this movie is ostensibly the same as it was in every other movie. I would posit that that's not entirely a bad thing, and that's because the Predator is not like every other slasher movie killer. It's not like every other monster. The alien exists to kill and breed. That's about it. It's there to just, you know, take life take life and fuck in the blood pool. You know, every day is pretty much one big is pretty much one big orgy in red bathed in red red crewy to the xenomorph. Um Michael Myers, eh, he has no real motivation. He is simply, if you know, Dr. Loomis is to be believed, the incarnation of pure evil. Jason Voorhees has a real hang-up about debaucherous, irresponsible teenagers. That's all well and good. But the thing is, those are all creatures and killers that first and foremost seek out the innocent, the defenseless. They go for prey that requires the very least amount of effort. What has always made the Predator interesting is that it's an honorable race of killers. They specifically seek out sport. If it's not dangerous prey, it isn't worthwhile to them. This is exemplified in in both the first two movies and again in the two alien to a to a much less successful extent in the alien versus predator duo. And so in a way it becomes a killer that you almost can't help but root for. It's a whole different experience. It's like Wait a sec. Hang on. I'm keeping it light tonight. I just finished my workout, so I'm drinking Gatorade Zero. Let the drinking game commence. 
it's like that wrestler that's booked as a heel. But after a while watching them, somehow you can't help but be drawn to them, to root for them. It, it's it's Jake the Snake Roberts. It's Stone Cold Steve Austin. <coughs> it's, uh, at his best, The Rock. Sure, a little swig there. Um, and that's the thing. You kind of end up respecting that. They're not out to exterminate humanity. They're not necessarily out to really rule. This race is me, my dad, and my uncles when we were when we were a kid going hunting for the first few weeks of November. <coughs> that's pretty. Uh, that... tight. I I'm think sorry. that was a sneeze. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you okay? That was a cough. Yeah, no, go ahead. That's okay. Um, you, you kind of have to kind of have to appreciate that. And even more so when you realize that they're not that in this movie it's not entirely pitted against Boy Scouts. It's a bit of a different dynamic because in a way, this is Predator sort of through the lens of Cube, if you want to compare it to anything. You have a whole bunch of strangers from various violent backgrounds. Some righteous, some not so much. But the Predators have done their homework and they've seen that these people are worthy prey. They're sporting prey. Prey that will present them with an actual potential lethal challenge, theoretically, um, whether it's whether they're crim- whether they're criminals or soldiers who simply you know fight for crown slash god and country, they're all people who have proven adept at defending themselves and taking and taking life, most of which can do so with no conscience or hesitation whatsoever. Um, or in the case in the case of Topher Grace, he's particularly cunning. He's he's deceptive. Um, you know, he's shrewd. He's maneuverable. He hides in plain sight. Um, I would think he actually might very well be the predator they might respect the most, if not for the fact that they probably also realize eh, this one tends to prey on the innocent, but. You can't argue with this technique. So that's kind of the other counter argument to it is the fact that they're not facing a cohesive team. They're not facing people who are necessarily inclined to all work together out of familiarity with one another. They're face they're facing deadly individuals, but kind of a kind of a slapdash team so it's, that makes it a bit of a a bit of a different dynamic from the first two movies that the fight takes place on another planet okay admittedly it looks more or less about the same as the South American jungle in the first one so I'm not going to pretend that's a huge stretch as far as settings go, it's something they could have done a little bit more with. But it's something for which I will give Robert Rodriguez credit for in his original treatment, thinking a bit outside the box. Um, instead of the fight being an away game for the Predator, he wants to make it a home game for their people. So it was the right idea just not necessarily executed so well. As far as whether or not you're really engaged with these people or you're rooting for them, it's possible to cheer some of them on, but admittedly difficult. Um, Adrian Brody and Alice Braga are kind of set up as the two that you're going to be most inclined to 
cheer on and survive. But I don't think that's really what they were going for here. I don't think they were necessarily going for making anybody heroic in this one because it's it's a bit of a different time. Uh, in the time of fiction, we're living in the age of the age of the antihero, wherein we're more interested than anything else in just seeing the outcome itself rather than necessarily looking for looking for a champion so to speak you know we're we're just kind of sitting back watching the watching the imminent bloodbath and going you know you know what, you know what it is to, to to sum it up it is me watching the super bowl every single fucking year I give not a dribble of piss about professional football, if we're being perfectly honest. I do not. Um, for a myriad of reasons, partially the fact that I've just found other sports towards which I'm more attracted, part of which being that I'm not a fan of the culture surrounding the NFL, part of it being the NFL fandom just generally irritates the piss out of me. And yet, every year I will at least keep track of the score of the Super Bowl. I will check in on key, on key updates. Why? Because they've theoretically brought together the two best teams in the league. They've crafted the, narr the narrative around this is what makes them strong, this is what makes them weak, and I just want to see who comes out on top. Sometimes that really is all you need is just is just going, okay, I don't like either of these people, but I'm still intrigued to see which to see which one is proven superior. And that works here. Um, and that it's in part because Robert Rodriguez works well with antiheroes. Uh, you have to remember, this all comes after he had done the mariachi trilogy after he had made his adaptation of sin city which is replete with you know renegades rebels and rogues um this was i believe this was post machete uh it was after it was after grindhouse this is a franchise that is right up Robert Rodriguez's alley. And to be honest, I think it's just the fact that he wrote a good treatment initially. But at the time when he submitted it, 20th Century Fox was probably looking at him and thinking, eh, you're very much a newbie director. And this is a pretty big deal property for us. We're not just going to hand this over to you. Uh, in fact, he wrote this while he was making Desperado, which was his, you know, undeniable breakout. All of a sudden, Desperado comes out, hits huge. He makes he makes an epically successful follow up. He makes all the other movies I mentioned. Uh, he's become a Hollywood name, a guy that can bring in a project on time or before schedule, on or under budget, and it is almost guaranteed to make money. And lo and behold, that is what this one did. Over $120 million, $40 million budget after being shot in 53 days. Um, that's, that is amazing. And that really brings me to the ultimate point of this whole thing is it often flies in the face of many of the arguments that I've made against other movies. But in this case, it's visceral and kind of psychological enough. And it has the kind of tense atmosphere around it, around always waiting for the next, for the next double cross um, or for somebody to, or for somebody to go rogue or something like that. Um, that 
it works. Is it the greatest psychological thriller of all time? God, no. No. Come on. But it at least wasn't as silly as Predator 2. It didn't go off in the kinds of ridiculous head-scratching out-of-character-for-the-franchise directions that Alien vs. Predator did. It's very true to the spirit of the first movie. I think that had this been made with in the in the mid 90s with a stable of whoever the most bankable stars were at, were at that time uh, I think it would have probably been reviewed in a much more friendly fashion because it's more in line with what action movies were back then uh, were not where you know everybody wasn't quite expecting something that was a terribly cerebral or a masterpiece of cinema de art. Um, I don't know if I got that phrase right at all. I, I apologize to any French speakers out there. <laughs> um, but really, I was pleasantly surprised to find that it was everything that I believe a Predator movie needs to be. And as a matter of fact, if they ever wanted to do a standalone Predator video game, this would have been a great premise for it. I would have played the ever-loving hell out of it. So, anyway, yours to conclude. My only other point with uh, with this, and then we're going to close it out tonight, <clears throat> as not a whole lot more needs to be said about this, is... The, there are two reasons to make a sequel. One, because you feel like there's another story to be told with these characters. Their story is not yet. Con- their story is not yet finished. You, you know, you as a creator, um, see, you know, have a story in your heart that you feel like you need to be told. Or you look at a piece. You look at a thing because wouldn't it be cool if this happened? Or it'd be interesting if this happened with these characters. Um, or, you know, it made a lot of money. You assume it's going to make more money if you do another one. Okay, let's be clear about that. Uh, here is the trick with creating a sequel. You ha- I f- In order for a sequel to, I think, be successful... Well, because he- here's the thing. You don't, what you don't want to do is create a movie that's essentially a rehash of the first one. You also don't want to do what ends up becoming a mockery of the first one or a cheap imitation of the first one. What you don't want is Grease 2. Okay? Grease is a great movie. You know, it, you're into that sort of thing. It's got great songs. It's got great acting. Uh, it's, you know, it's a fun movie and it really stands on its own and it still stands up all these many years later. And when you go and you make Grease 2, you either need to get you know, same level of acting at best, better songs, more fun songs, more singable songs, and at least a, a plot line that doesn't make you want to tear your eyeballs out. And Grease 2 failed on every single one of those fronts. <laughs> so, so if I'm holding up an example of what to do and what not to do, Grease 2 is the ultimate what not to do. Okay? Here's my, and here's the thing that relates to Predators. I feel like with the original Predator movie, the story was told. And unless you've got a really interesting concept, I know I said this on the Predator review on Damn You Hollywood. At this point, there's only one thing left to do with them, and that's go to their home world, see what that's like, have a full-on Predator invasion, change the scope of what the Predator is, or what you run into is rehash. It's the same story told over and over and over again. We've seen this now. It, you know, it, some, um, one of the guys on Half in the Bag actually said this. They're like, it's as if people keep coming up with really grand, outstanding ideas for the Predator, and then there's an executive at 20th Century Fox going, no, Predator movies about people are about people getting killed in the jungle. Period. <laughs> so like, no matter what you do with them, at the end, kill everyone in the forest. Done. And... That's, I feel like, the biggest problem with Predators. It's, it didn't take the story any further. 
We don't know anything more about the Predators than we really did before. You know, the shoehorned in, oh, there's a civil war going on. How about a flashback? <laughs> how, how about show me this in some way? If Lawrence Fishburne doesn't tell you that, how do you know that that's why that Predator is hung up there? You never see them engaged with one another until like the very end of the movie. So there's it doesn't take the story in any new directions. It doesn't tell you anything more about the predators that you didn't already know or what it does tell you it literally just tells you. It doesn't show you in any way. So it might as well have not have been there in the first place. And it didn't do anything with the kills or the characters that wasn't superior to the first one. So in my mind, Predators is a failure. I mean, if you haven't watched Predator in a while and you sit down and you watch Predators on Cinemax, you know, one, uh, one rainy afternoon when you've got nothing else to do, it's a fine way to spend two hours. But if you, you, know, but if you want the authentic, if you want the real deal, if you want you know, the world-changing one, you watch the original. What are you, what, why are you wasting your time with this slapdash rehash with unlikable, half-uncharismatic half characters? Alice Braga, I'm looking in your direction. You're a nag for the entire two-hour motion picture, and I was glad when you were dead. The defense rests. And, again, for the record, my, my, my praise is not insincere. I, I love this movie. Well, not well. Okay, love is a strong word. Um, <laughs> it, it's. I love it you like a friend. You're like kind of like a brother. <laughs> it uh, it doesn't live up to how much I absolutely adore the first movie. I have to say, Predators is probably like in my top twenty, like all time. Might even be in my top ten if I, you know, depending on how mm-hmm. we're counting trilogies and whatnot. I think that's it's, fair. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I it's one of my it is it is absolutely probably my favorite Schwarzenegger movie. Um, next to Termin- uh, next to Terminator Two, mm-hmm. but I just you know. As much as, like I said, I, I watched Predators 2 in, in preparation, uh, sorry, I watched Predators in preparation for the podcast and everything, I didn't have a bad time watching it, I just, like, it's one of those where I never had to think about it before, so, mm. you know, it was kind of, you know, drooling and eating popcorn, I, and I enjoyed it. Now I gotta think about it, I'm like, oh wow, this movie's got weight, it's got lots of problems. It ain't perfect. Um, I think that I like to think that had Robert actually been directing, mm-hmm. it might have been better. I because you have to admit he's got a knack for making antiheroes likable. I was gonna say I wish um, that th- there's gonna come a point where either we're gonna do it as an on trial or I'm gonna beg to do it as a long road to ruin. But we have to talk about it at some point from Ducks Till Dawn because that's a really great example of Robert Rodriguez. Directing a movie in which you fall in love with the characters before they start all before they all start dying. Oh shit, dude! I will. I won't ask you. I will tell you right now. We are doing that as a long road to ruin. Okay, fair enough. Um, did we seriously never do from dusk till dawn? No, we did not because it's kind of oh my god because I keep saving it for a Halloween and then and then October has become very very full very very fast. Well, you know, I, I and actually that's why I'm so that's hang why I'm on. So no, keep talking, but like I, I gotta, I'm gonna go look at the 2019 character because I may have spoken too soon. Oh, are, are we still recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was, I was gonna say that's. I, I'm damned excited to be bringing that back because the the burnout has faded. I'm in a better place. I'm a little more invested to it, a little more committed to podcasting now than I was then, and. We've now got a bunch of franchises and franchise revivals and whatnot mm-hmm. that we can talk about that we didn't have before. Well, here's what the October 2019 calendar looks like uh, as far as what I need you for. There's, um, and, and actually, I here's what I have written down so far. I have On Trial Gotham by Gaslight, which is the DC animated feature. Um, unless you don't have a way of watching it, in which case, then I'm going to end up doing it as a commentary with somebody else. And, and we need we need that we're doing that one when this is 2019 October. 
Oh, October 2019? I think I can procure a copy some way or another by then. Okay. Um, <laughs> then the following weekend, and here's, and here's where I need you to weigh in here. Uh, it, it just says, On Trial, Sean's Halloween pick. And I'm thinking either On Trial, Dust Till Dawn, or Long Road to Ruin, the Dust Till Dawn franchise. Fuck it. We're doing Long Road to Ruin. All right. And by the way, the following week is On Trial, Constantine, the uh, Keanu Reeves movie. Oh, dear God. Oh, <laughs> dear, dear fucking Christ on a cookie cake. Can you, can, can you handle it? That's three weeks in a row of some pretty that heady content. fucking thing. <laughs> um, my God, if I, if I wasn't able to do that, I can tell you right now who I would have recommended for you. Uh, no less than my friend and yours, the film twit, uh, Cole Marantet. But he, that, he has he has him some strong feelings about that movie, <laughs> but that that's going to be an interesting week because uh, on source material we'll have dis- we'll have been discussing Blackest Night, and then Zombieland Two, and then you and me doing From Dust Till Dawn. Oh, Blackest Night! Ah, uh, you're going the Green Lantern. I may have to hit Jesse up and see if he'll let me be on that one. Uh, you don't have to ask. You're more than welcome if that's what you want to do. I, I, I was going to say, I'm willing to bribe him with Panburger Partner. <laughs> All right. Um, now that we've now that we've settled what we're doing in October a year from now, let's finish up this year. Um, <laughs> any last <laughs> any last thoughts here on uh, on Yield Predators, or should we close the book on this thing? Give it a look. I wouldn't go seeking it out necessarily, but yeah, you really put it best. I don't think you would be sorry if some weekend you happen to have nothing else to do. You were able to catch the unedited version on Stars, Showtime, HBO, whatever. It's it's a decent watch. No, but uh, but otherwise. You're not getting anything that you wouldn't get in more spades by simply watching the first movie. The second one is it, it's ridiculous, silly camp. Yeah, uh, I love the second one. The second one is the, the second one is so silly. It's it's awesome. Yeah, the, the second one is early '90s pants on head manners. Um, so if that's your thing, you will probably you will probably dig it. I've never been quite as fond of it as some are, but it's it's riff worthy. I will put it that way. Um, if you decide that you and your robot friends got <laughs> have movie sign, you could do a lot worse than that. Um, but yeah, Predators I think supplants it as my second favorite and. Favorite in the series, but then again, I have also not seen the Predator yet. Which I, I will. I I don't want to go and listen to Damn You Hollywood because I still intend to see it. So just tell me, give me the short version of what you thought of it. Um, if again, again, if you turn your brain off and you and you want to be entertained for two hours, it's an entertaining movie. Um, it it. I kind of described it as a gonzo is a violent gonzo feature for idiots. <laughs> I wonder if that was what Shane Black was going for. <laughs> Entirely possible. Uh, with with that said, um, we're going to bring this puppy to a close next week. It's all Iron Fist all the time. We've got the Immortal Iron Fist by Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction. Uh, the the last Iron Fist story, which is the first six issues of that series. Uh, and then Robert and Robert Winfrey and I will be reviewing Iron Fist season two. And then on Wednesday, uh, we'll be reviewing on the Metal Hammer of Doom therapy cleave. Uh, if you're wondering what happened to this week's past Metal Hammer of Doom, I got threatened by lawyers again. So that had to come down. But there's Wait, what? Oh yeah! Every once in a while, the if, if the Warner music, if if whatever album we've covered is in some way associated with the Mar- with the Warner Brothers music group, uh, they send me a letter saying, "Take it down! You're you're violating copyright law." Oh, give me a break! It's so, even if you're. Uh, 
Yeah. Fair fair use is such a worthless, toothless doctrine. You betcha. So uh so being so being a uh a, a little peon in the world, uh I just you know, if I get a letter saying take it down, it gets taken down. Uh that's that's two out of the last four, by the way. Um Bullet for my Valentine and Clutch are still up there, but Allison Chains had to come down and now Corpaclani of all things had to come down. Anyway, what's still up though is Archie versus Predator and uh, Damn You Hollywood, the Predator. Um, we've also got the Clutch, the Book of Bad Decisions. Sean and I talked Insatiable season one. Uh, we, there, there was a Screaming Boy DC Universe over the top app discussion, a commentary for Superman Doomsday, and Pat and I did alternative commentary for the Highway Robbery that was Canelo versus Triple G two. So we got all that goodness that hasn't been taken down by lawyers here on the Rattledge and Broadcasting Network. Sean, tell them what time it is, and let's get out of here. Well, folks, follow me on Twitter, at Comer Codex. Uh, you can off and on when I'm not terribly busy with day job things and trying to make ready to move back to Arizona in the not-too-distant future. I'm a little bit further the next Sunday, 80. Um... You can find me ranting about video games, hockey, uh, occasionally my disbelief at American politics, all kinds of fun stuff. And that lately is about the most um, reliable place. You can also follow my blog over at comercodex.wordpress.com to get updates for when I write something new there. When I have time, I do really want to get back to streaming on Twitch. I miss it. So if you want to follow me there just in case for when I to get updates when I get back to that uh, twitch.tv slash comer codex picking up on a theme here uh, otherwise thank you everybody for listening Mark and I surely do appreciate it I'm Sean you're not never dull your colors for someone else's canvas alright uh, with that said just quick plug for the next on trial which will be October 30th it's Sean's pick it's the 1981 now out of continuity Halloween 2 so stay tuned for the next installment of on trial October 30th uh, 2018 not 2019 that's a whole other thing alright with that <laughs> all rise court is now out of session the judge has left the building along with Elvis be well be safe and behave <laughs>